financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Hello. Well, hello, Jeff. Happy holidays. I know, right? It's I cannot believe we're already middle of December, not middle of December, but close to halfway through December. It flies. We always say that even if we start early. You know, many many people start shopping early and and sometimes we duplicate our presents because we shopped early and then we get the shopping the shopping fever at the holidays and we say, but let's get something else. Mm. So I'm one of those yeah. people that does not start my shopping early. So people that are already all done, I'm jealous of, but I don't do that. And I know there's a lot of people that do it throughout the year to make it easier, but yet there's definitely different styles of of shopping. Well, I tell you personally, I have run the gamut. I I can remember, you know, going to, uh, oh, who was it that would have the midnight specials? Was it Kmart? There's the blue light. Um, the blue light specials. That was it. It was Kmart, right? Mm-hmm. Blue light specials. My niece and I would get together and we would wait. And, and at midnight, they would they would be open all night or whatever. And we would wait and go to those stores and, and do our shopping. We'd be walking around like a couple of silly zombies, mm-hmm. you know, the best deals we could get because we were shopping on, like, you know, no money trying to make this work. And so when I say I've run the gamut, I've gone from that to, you know, I've tried shopping throughout the year right. to make things easier. I have to admit, I love to give presents. And so they never make it to the holidays. I am the same way. Like if I buy something and I say, I'm going to save it for whatever, I give it to them the next day. I can't wait. It's very rare that I can, that I can just wait to give it to somebody. I always have some excuse why they should have it now. And, uh, but I do love to do that. And of course, within my means, that's what we do, right? But again, you know, I have shopped in the holidays when I had, and, and when I say no money, I know people like, yeah, 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 you walked up uphill both ways to school and feet <laughs> of snow, right? No, I really mean like no money, less than no money, you know, in debt, people calling me saying mean and nasty things to me prior to the, the Fair Credit Act being well known about. And I've been, you know, well off in shopping. And I have to say that for me personally, the emotional part of it is always the toughest. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, figuring out what you're going to get somebody, whether it's going to be an experience or a gift, will they love it? Mm-hmm. You know, should you get these people something and will you be making them feel like they should have gotten you something? Or can you just be generous and just say, I have it, I'm going to just spend it. I'm just going to spoil everybody I know because I like to do it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And the statistics show that 55% of holiday shoppers say it stresses them out. I'm More surprised than- that that number is not higher, honestly. Well, you know, they only pulled a couple thousand people. I think it was, uh, who did this, New York Times or somebody. I'm sorry if I've forgotten who the source was, mm-hmm. but you'll be able to corroborate this on the web through a number of places. Oh, it was NerdWallet. NerdWallet did this 2,000-person uh, survey. Okay. You know, 55% of holiday shoppers said it stresses them out. Now, that's most likely because of, you know, altogether now, money, mm-hmm. right? Well, of course. I mean, that's the big thing. Like, you always feel like you don't have enough, especially as a parent. Do you have a story? Uh, does something come to mind to you immediately, Jess, about a time when you might have been struggling financially and, and you had kids and and what that was like for you, what you did? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I will say I, I did the complete opposite advice that you would give anybody, which is I made sure he always had great Christmases, even if it meant putting off a bill, 
that was going to have to be a little bit late. I just always made sure that he did. Um, but it was interesting. I was looking, just going through your Facebook feed, you know, different things pop up. And there was this story that kept popping up about a mom who, you know, was really stressing out about Christmas because she had stuff for all of the kids. But was it enough stuff? Like, would they feel like they got enough stuff? And yeah. then part of part of the story was just a reminder that if you think back to when you're six years old or seven years old or however old her kids were, you never remember like the particular item you got. You remember like some memory from that, like that was the year that you and your mom made Christmas cookies or your dad dressed as Santa or whatever it might be. But you remember the memory around it. So for parents, it was just a good reminder to because I do this nonstop. I, I count how many presents each kid has to make sure they're even so they don't fight. And then is it enough stuff, even though I know they're overloaded with stuff already? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, and they, they open them, it's done in an hour. You know, you spend a month shopping for it or whatever, it's done in less than an hour sometimes. They open them up, and pretty soon the toys that they play with are pushed to, you know, they come to the top, and the rest of the stuff is pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I find when I when I say things like this to people is they look at me like I'm a dinosaur in some ways because I'm I'm saying the old-fashioned advice that you just said, Right. The stuff that matters is. And people look at you and go, yep, yep, yep. I had this story when I was a kid and it was like that, but it doesn't work that way anymore. That's what people will tell you. It mm-hmm. doesn't work more. And, and when you ask them why, they'll say, because kids want iPhones, kids want Apple Watches, kids want, you know, the newest video game, whatever it is, right? Right, yeah. But that was the same as when we were kids. We wanted everything we saw on television. Yeah. Everything. Everyone want- wanted a Walkman. Yeah, when you're a child and other children have things, you're in America, you want what they've got. That's how it works. But if you remember back, honestly, you'll remember times that were especially great. And they usually have to do with an experience, as you said. Now, Mm -hmm. something that was not an experience, now this is really where people will laugh at me, but when I say I came from a family without much money, Mm -hmm. I, I have to say, we didn't know we didn't have much money. I mean, our parents made sure we felt loved, they made sure we felt uh, valued mm-hmm. and be open with us about, you know, this is going to be a pretty lean Christmas or, you know, and they just sort of prepared us. They didn't depress us about it. Mm-hmm. We we're just like, okay, so what are we going to make for dad this Christmas, right? Because that's what mattered to them too. But this one Christmas when, when we were, I might've told this story. I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm boring. Okay. One Christmas when we had, you know, my dad was out of work and things were really lean and my mother was thinking, what am I going to give these kids to play with? Mm-hmm. Now, people will bust a gut laughing at this, but darn it if it isn't the story that my siblings and I tell when we get together at Christmas, right? She packed up these boxes of things with, this is really a crazy story. I can't believe I'm admitting this on the air, but she packed up these boxes and wrapped them up, of course, you know, nicely, mm-hmm. with all these little bits and pieces in them. And the bits and pieces were things like, are you sitting down, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> A roll of aluminum foil. To do what with? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second. Some Dixie cups, Mm -hmm. the little tiny ones. A pack of pipe cleaners. Okay? Now, there were more things in there, but that's exactly the point. To do what with? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. To sit on the floor with your mother and learn how to make aluminum foil bells for the trait. Oh, cute. So we all remember that Christmas. I can't tell you another thing I got that Christmas, mm-hmm. but I can tell you what the lights looked like reflected in the in the clean floor underneath the tree. I can tell you what my mother's heaven-sent perfume smelled like 
I can tell you about, you know, the, the stories that I have with my siblings when we get together. I know, folks, if you're out there listening to this, you're going to say, if I gave my kids that, they would throw the trash at me. Yeah, you're probably right. Things have definitely advanced since, since then. But the point is the same. The point is, my parents must have been terribly worried about what we were going to have to open under the tree at Christmas. And my mother got it. Now, let, like, me, let me ask you this, though. As Do you remember back opening that? Did, were you... Oh, yeah. What was your reaction then? Because I'm sure parents now are thinking like, okay, yeah, great. In 20 or 30 years, they might remember the memory. But right now, they're just going to be mad they didn't get the new iPhone. Well, I have to say, my parents were pretty good at that. My father would let my mother take the lead, and she would... She was a very quiet person, but she really knew and loved children. And so I think kids do what you expect of them, mm-hmm. right? And so at a little age, now we're not talking about giving teenagers this stuff, right? There's a different world entirely. But little kids, they care about the experience of opening it, being excited, ripping the paper off, and then having somebody tell them, oh, look what you got. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know what we can do with this? We can do this, right? Right. So, I mean, I didn't plan to tell this story today, folks. I'm sorry if you're listening to this going, the money doctor has lost it. But the, the point is the same. If 55% of the people or more feel stressed out by the holidays, what happens to your sense of joy, your sense of love, your sense of peace, your sense of generosity, all those things that we are supposed to think, you know, that we're taught and maybe are supposed to be the spirit of the holiday? Mm-hmm. You know, while you're busy trying to make sure that your kids have enough things to open up under the tree and that they have what we term as, and you use the term too, a good Christmas, mm-hmm. we are busy racking up credit card debt, not paying a bill, being stressed out. So what does that do with your ability to give love and and a stress-free Christmas or a stress-free holiday to your kids? Mm-hmm. Does it trickle down? And the statistical answer seems to be, yeah, it trickles down. Not only do the kids experience what you're experiencing, even though you think you're hiding it from them. I mean, kids are, that's their whole job is to figure out how to manipulate their environment, right? They're terrific at it. Mm -hmm. But they have to understand how things work and they get it by subtle hints, right? That's how they, how they learn that stuff. And in addition, they're learning, okay, Last month, money was kind of tight, and we were worried. You know, I could see mom was worried about filling out the bills and things, but now I have all this stuff under the tree. I mean, it's, so, such, a, it's such a good theory. It's just really hard as a parent to, to do it, you know? I mean, that, that's the bottom line. It's just, it's really tough to do. Well, I don't expect anybody to go cold turkey. In fact, I don't expect anybody to agree with me, you know? No, I, to- I totally agree with you because you're right. Like, the, when you get the credit card bills in January— that stress and that does pass down, you know, that you can't really hide that. Well, you know, in years when you have enough money to do this and you can do it, mm-hmm. that's, you, can, you can share that with your, your older children, you know, 9, 10, 11. They start to understand, hey, this year, you know, we had a pretty good year, so we're going to splurge a little bit. We're going to save also, but we're going to splurge a little bit. And in years when it's really thin, teach them about what to do when it's really thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some about isn't the money that matters. As much as my job is to bring money to the airwaves and talk about money, what I always talk about is how it's just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can create new traditions. We'll talk about some of this in the second half, Jeff, but you can create new traditions that cost you nothing. You can make a fuss over something that normally would have been nothing, but mm-hmm. didn't have like a roll of aluminum foil, you know? <laughs> I, I, we still laugh. 
fuss off about that because how ridiculous was it that she looked in the cabinet and thought, what have I got? Well, you know. Yeah. Well, I laugh when you say aluminum foil because it reminds me of my mom. Um, we didn't get that as a gift, but what she would do is when she ran out of Christmas paper or really for the majority of the gifts, she would wrap them in aluminum foil because it was shiny and then just put a bow oh. on it. Oh, that's funny. My brother used to wrap everything in the comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. But it just reminded me of her with the aluminum foil. But we will have more stories. I've also got to tell you, Atlee's been doing a little Christmas shopping. I want to tell you about her generous spirit. Maybe get a tip from you, too, on that uh, coming up in the second half. But first, I want to get your phone number. Oh, thanks. It's 413-773-3333. And you can go to HugYourMoney.com. More stories and more tips for holiday shopping coming up in the second half of Financial Fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the money doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses, and making up losses can set us back or worse, Delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free, far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well without unnecessary risk? Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, and we're talking holiday shopping. I know. And you have a six-year-old daughter. I wish we could have put her on the air. I would love to hear her thoughts about things. Well, this, I've got to get a tip from you on this because, so this is the last couple of days this has been going on. So I have like my Amazon account set up and you can add things to the cart or whatever. So she's been going on and having me like press different things in there. And she's been adding a bunch of things to the cart that she wants for Christmas. But then this is what she's been doing. So she had like 21 items in there. And then yesterday I look and there's 38 items in there. Well, in her little generous spirit, she's decided she wants to buy everybody Christmas gifts. So she's uh-huh. put gifts in there for everybody. But this is my credit card attached to the account. So a yeah. little tip on how you explain to these kids who just bless their hearts, as they say in the South. But she wants to be so generous with everybody. Somebody that I might not necessarily buy a gift for, like, you know, the aunt's, uncle's, brother's stepson, yeah. like, because they're little kids and they want everybody to. So what's the tip for, like, explaining to kids that you can't buy something for everyone? Does that make sense? Wow. Uh, yeah. I, anybody listening will know that you just caught me completely off guard. A, I don't have a six-year-old, <laughs> but I was once a six-year-old. Right. So, so, wow, the tip to explain it. Well, I don't know if this is what you expect me to say, Jeff, but I would say, that you do have to start teaching her what these things cost and how you make choices. And that's what the big picture here is about. And so you say to her, I think it's wonderful that you want to give people things, but we only have this much money to deal with. Mm -hmm. So this is what we have for a budget. And if you want to give all these people all these things, you can do it. But every time you do that, we've got to take something off of the list of the things you want. Oh, that's a good suggestion. Yeah. It's better so that, than we just, we don't buy from for Uncle Benny's girlfriend. We're getting them nothing. But I like that idea better. Oh, yeah. Because then she gets to make a choice about her generosity. She may well say at six, 
I, fun, Mom, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I still keep the spirit of Christmas right there, right? And that's really, boy, what an opportunity to teach somebody about charitable giving. Mm-hmm. You know, I see people who tithe, right? They give 10%, 15% of their income off the top to their church. church or, yeah. And I think that's admirable. Mm-hmm. But when I see them racking up credit card debt at close to 30% because they don't have enough money to do this, I have to have that hard talk with them and say, I promise you, your church does not want you to be giving them money while you are going deeply into debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's the same for the holidays. Your friends, your family, your loved ones, if you were to ask them, hey, I'd love to get you that for Christmas, but it means that I'm going to be paying for it for 12 months or more more than likely, I think there was something like 30% of the people are still paying off last year's holiday mm-hmm. gift. They would tell you unequivocally, no, I, no, I'm good. I got it. Yeah, but you know? I will say this, that, and we talk about this a lot on a lot of these shows about how money and psychology are tied together. Like mm-hmm. for me, a lot of it is not about whether I'm going to go into debt to buy something or whatever. It's that it's the feeling that I get when I watch somebody open something that I know they're really going to love. So that's the thing. It's not so much that I think someone's expecting something, but it's like, I just, I love, just like you were saying with yourself at the beginning of the show, you love to give gifts and love, love to make that other person happy, you know, no matter who it is. But you know what? Um, you just brought up a great point about Atley and about your six-year-old. Mm-hmm. That is the the pleasure that you get out of it. Not necessarily whether it was an expensive gift or not, but that you got the right thing for them. Right. And the other thing is that you got somebody something who wasn't expecting it, and it's an actual surprise. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it doesn't what it costs, but you baked cookies, whatever. So I, I did say that we would, speaking of baking cookies, talk about maybe making some new traditions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some people do these advent calendars where there's, you know, 24 days of yep. whatever in them, you know, a little gift, and you can share those with your siblings or whatever. So it's leading up to the holiday. But one might argue that that's just another way to spend more money on the holiday. But it's it's one of those ways of enjoying the feeling of the holiday. Mm-hmm. I've but got one up on my refrigerator right now. Do you really? Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> well, some of them come with, like, jars of jam in them and things, you know, and so you... This, you one, have has, a- um, this one has little dark chocolates in it, so I mean... Go. It's the holiday, so it's no calories. Right. Exactly. Well, you know what? Cut a chocolate in half. The calories escape. <laughs> what happens? Hey, we can't live without a good rationalization here or there, right? Exactly. So anyway, what you could do to help your kids understand the feeling of holiday rather than just clicking and putting things in the cart, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting about how things work today. Uh, and I hope she can't check out on you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I made sure of that because I was like looking at the thing. And I think the I think the items up, like I said, we're up to about 39 at this point for a total of like 700 bucks. Like about 37 of those things are coming out of the cart. Yeah. But it is an interesting lesson in American greed. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she is six and she's on Amazon. I'm not trying to insult your daughter. And we, we all suffer from this. She's on Amazon saying, I want quick. I want quick, immediate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be, you know, if your parents can keep you away from the television for a while, they could keep you away from I want land. Well, until you, until you went out to a store in, in person and then, they're, you know, you're throwing everything right. in the cart. Right. But, you know, it, it was a little easier for parents to guard themselves from this. Not, mm-hmm. not it's everywhere. But what I was saying is you can take some things that, you know, maybe would have gone unnoticed before, like, I don't know, making homemade eggnog Mm -hmm. or uh, mold wine or something like that, that it doesn't have to be alcoholic, but you know, some mold cider, let's say something like that, that would have gone completely unnoticed and, you know, get your kids involved, get them in the kitchen, make a new tradition 
today we're going to make this, let's call it mold cider for a moment, right? We're going to make this cider. We're going to do it in maybe a crock pot. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's easy for the kids to help manage. And it makes the whole house smell like the holidays, mm, right? Nice. And then you connect that sense of smell next year. Hey, remember last year we made this cider, right? Let's do that again. And in that way, it becomes what you and I were talking about, the memory of the holiday, not the gift, right? Not the present. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing you could do, you know, cook cookies. I mean, people say things are different today. I will tell you what, six-year-olds still love to make cookies. Mm-hmm. Teenagers love to make cookies. Gingerbread houses, whatever. I mean, if you if you can do that, and then here's another lesson for your, your daughter. Look, I know you want to give all these people gifts, but we have limited amount, so here's our choices. We can start taking things out of your cart, or we can figure out how to make this work within our budget. Mm-hmm. And you look feature, you know, when it's a give and take situation. Oh, so you still want to give these people something, but we don't have any money left, or we're down to very little. What if we made them cookies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then you get her involved in making cookies. So she doesn't learn that, yes, you can have a generous spirit as long as it's affordable. Right, right. You can have a spirit, and you make your pocketbook fit your your gift list mm-hmm. instead of the other way around, right? So I hope that this is useful information to people in some way. It just it just kills me to see the statistics on this stuff. With you people know. stressed out. Yeah, for, can I toss one in? I, I did this yeah. one... Um, this was, you know, some years back, I was working at a radio station and everybody wanted to do gifts. And of course, everyone was broke. Um, so what everyone did, which I thought was really cool, was like throughout the year, you know, you get like di- different little promotional things, whether, I don't know, you might go run a 5K and you get like a, a yeah. bottle, a water bottle, or I got different things throughout the year. So we took all of those things, which were new, like anything you could think of that you brought in, like you might have gotten like an Echo Dot for something. And then we... And then we did like a Yankee swap and traded all of it. So we didn't end up spending any money, but we still got to do the fun of like people opening up a surprise gift and and also knowing that no one spent any money on it. That's right. That's right. You know, there are many things you can do like that. I I like to say give somebody an experience. It doesn't have to cost a thing. Mm -hmm. Take papers, make a gift certificate, handwrite it if you want to, have your children decorate it and say, in fact, we're going to do it this year for a couple of friends. They don't need anything. And I have a little vacation place, and I'm just going to say, here's a weekend at our vacation place. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great thing. They can get get away for a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it cost me? I'm already eating. I'm already, you know, it's it's the same thing. Now, not everybody has that luxury thing. You know, I think my lucky stars about it. But you can do that with any kind of an experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a day shopping together for a girlfriend, you know, or we're going to go to lunch. or We probably would be going out to lunch anyway. But you can make it a special holiday thing. Uh, you know, there were, in these statistics that I was reading, there were a number of people who planned to give, I think it was 31% of the people planned to give 30% fewer gifts this year or spend less money on gifts this year. Mm-hmm. People are really feeling this pressure. And there was even something like 5% or 10% were planning on giving something that was a used item, like an antique or, a, you know, something else that they were re-gifting mm-hmm. uh, some way. I'm so, not against the regifting at all. I know some people are, but I'm perfectly happy with a regift. If it's something that didn't suit you, but it suits someone else, have at it. Yeah, I know it's a hard conversation to have, but if I'm going to regift something, I will ask the person who gave it to me. You know, I I know you thought I'd love this, but 
I know somebody who really would. How would you feel about me giving to them? And oh, they good for you because I just I just pretend that I you know I put it in the other room for right now. Oh, that always I I think that's going to come back to haunt me someday. Oh, yeah. But people are always very, um, they're first of all happy about the honesty, and then they learned that it really wasn't your thing, and they're happy to have somebody else use it. They don't want to give you something that you don't use, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, think about these kinds of things. 74% of the people will put their gifts on credit cards this year. Uh, thankfully, 66% uh, plan to also use cash. So I know that doesn't create 100%, obviously, but they'll use both. Yeah. But, you know, it's sad. I mean, 4% of people are going to use payday loans. I saw a statistic on the news, I think it was last night or the night before, that said that the average amount that people are going to spend on Christmas this year is $1,600. Oh, I, I didn't read that high, but uh, I think I saw 800, uh, 8 something, 823 or something like that on an average, and I thought that number was low. So $1,600 doesn't surprise me. I, You know, there's so much pressure in the holiday, in you know, so-and-so always gets a gift for us, so we have to get something for them. Mm-hmm. And if you say, I'm going to cut my list back, I don't feel like getting gifts for everybody, you feel like a Scrooge, you know? Well, and it's uh, also awkward if somebody hands you a gift and you don't have anything in return. Uh, like, what do you say? Oh, it's it's so hard. It's awkward. Uh, it, it is awkward, and it, it will happen. Somebody will think of you, and you haven't thought of them. And, and you, But you have to realize that if you're doing that to other people, you're causing them to feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Another thing you might tell Atlee, it's wonderful you want to give everybody everything, you know, how do you think they'll respond when they get it? And if she says, I think they'll be really, really happy. Okay, great. If she, if she starts to say, well, maybe they'll feel bad that they didn't get me something, then you can say even at six, well, you know, this is about making them feel good. So how about you make them a paper card or you, you know, you do something that isn't necessarily buying a gift, especially at young ages for children when they like to make things. And it really does warm the heart of adults. I mean, I, I can remember one of my clients' kids bringing me uh, gifts that they made. They, they made some um, jelly and apple butter mm-hmm. in the kitchen with their mom. And they, they did the labels, right? And mom helped make the food, of course. They did the labels and they came by and they dropped it off. And it was a complete shocker to me. I had no idea they had me in mind at all. But I still remember it because it was such a nice thing that she was, you know, bringing her kids to give me little jars of yeah. serves. I mean, the, I the kids last year for, at the end of school made fudge for all the teachers and like all the teachers' assistants, and they were so happy to get something because they normally don't get anything, and they loved it. Yeah, yeah. Talking about your daughter reminds me of one one last thing, and I hate to cite a commercial that's on TV. I can't even remember what company it is, but there's a scene where there's a little boy shopping in a store and the parents are waiting for him and they're saying, oh, he's still shopping, he's still shopping. And then what he buys is a a pair of slippers and he brings them to Santa and he says, these are for after work. And that's exactly what I'm saying is, you know, that gift, he could have been shopping for himself, but he wasn't. He Mm -hmm. was shopping slippers for Santa. And it was so sweet, you know? Yeah, it really is. It's a manipulative commercial probably, but (laughs) (laughs) it works. I just remember that scene and I, I just thought that was, that was a really great way to show the spirit of giving mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it's not the spirit of opening your wallet and this is the time of year when you consume everything you can get mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah. boy well if people have questions can i get your phone number sure um, i just want to say you know we've been talking only about christmas and i think in some ways we could take a page out of the book of other people's holiday hanukkah you know kwanzaa other things that are not quite as commercialized as our christmas mm-hmm. and just remember that that's what the spirit is about 
So they can reach us at 413-773-3333. And I know it would make a great Christmas gift if you want to spend a little bit of money. The book? Oh, thank you. You can even download it on, uh, I think it's live on um, Kindle and ebook for like $5 or something like awesome. that. Uh, called Retire Debt and Retire Well. All right. They can also visit HugYourMoney.com. Well, we will be back next week with another edition of Financial Fitness with Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. Happy holidays. You too. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off, it should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. Hi, I'm Carrie. In the fall of 2020, I got diagnosed with a large spinal cord tumor. I am on full-time disability. A little over a year of not having any pay on my part literally destroyed us financially. Sometimes feels like you're on a boat that has no rudder out in the ocean. Who do you look to to regain that control? (sighs) I'm getting emotional again about it. We're much better off than we were even a year ago. I'm Mike, I work in law enforcement. Uh, What makes me the happiest is that there's someone there to help. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented. Financial literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Hello. Well, hello, Jess. How are you? I am excellent, and we have a guest this week. We have a very special guest today. We have Joel. Joel is a local guy who's been a client of ours for years and recently, recently had an experience that he has been. Uh, generous enough and brave enough to come on the air and share with us in in the hopes that he will prevent other people from having the same experience. Hi, Joel. Uh, hello there. I'm sorry you're not joining us under better circumstances, but what, what happened? Well, uh, I had uh, uh, a guy stop out of the blue saying that they had a leftover pavement mm. from a paving job. And uh, they could do my driveway for it's cheap, and I so I allowed them to take to to do the job. And did you pay uh, up front? No, actually, there was no contract. There was they didn't give me an estimate, even though I tried several times to get an idea of how much this thing was going to run before they even started. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, they just smoke screened me all the way through until the job was done. And then and then the price comes out. You know, just the reason I wanted to have Joel on the air, and I'm so glad that he agreed to do this, is that we talk often about these scams. And sometimes I run into people and they say, I hear you on the air talking about that. Who would ever fall for those things? Mm-hmm. I always say the same thing. You have to understand how clever the people are that are perpetrating these scams. If they weren't, they would never make any money, and they would stop scamming people. But this scam is so prevalent 
that, and we can tell the story about when, when Joel called me, what happened, but when we were talking to the Attorney General's office, I got as far as to say, so let me tell you what happened here briefly. I said, a man pulled into his driveway, and she stopped us cold, and Joe can correct me if I'm wrong. I got that far. A man pulled into his driveway, Mm -hmm. and the woman at the attorney general's office said, oh, pavement scam. Oh, so they've gotten a bunch of calls already. Isn't that true, Joe? Oh, yes, absolutely. She, She stopped us cold and told us what the problem was. Oh, no. Yeah, and then when we got to the bank, and again, we'll talk to people about what they need to do to prevent this or how to correct it if it happens. Um, when when Joel got to the bank and we talked to the banker, she said immediately, well, you're, you need to understand, you're not the first person to fall for this. A lot of people are scammed like this, you know, because it's so typical for people who have been scammed to be very embarrassed, very shy, uh, and to not want to admit to anybody that they've been scammed. And that's what makes them pay the people, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't want to tell anybody, so they say, oh, i got to correct this, I've got to pay this, I, you know, don't tell anybody because you feel foolish. But in Joel's case, you know, this guy pulls into his driveway, Joel asks him for a quote, doesn't get it, instead he gets the, the smooth approach, you know, oh, don't worry, it's extra, we got to put it down, it's going to be cheap. And we're not talking about a little cold patch at the end of your driveway, folks, right? We're not talking about we got a couple of shovels left in the truck. Do you want us to patch up this hole? Mm-hmm. People told him they had enough pavement to do his entire driveway, which is fairly long. Yeah, but I could say, too, like that these scams are situational because that does make sense. There might be some jobs that you use less, you know, stuff to pave the driveway and you had it extra and could be trying to make a few extra bucks. I mean, I might fall for this, too. Well, I think it is really common. But I was saying to Joel, you know what? If they had so much extra pavement on their trucks, Mm -hmm. they had enough to do your entire driveway. A, they're not very good at their job. Or B... (laughs) It's already been paid for. Mm. Somebody else who they did a legitimate job for got charged twice as much. Right. Maybe. Now, we don't know for sure, but this is how these things happen. So now they've got pavement, free pavement in their truck. They're going to get anything they can for it. And they drive around and they look for people who don't have a paved driveway. And they do this. So, Joel, will you talk a little bit about what happened when the guy came into your driveway, you know, he looked professional. He had, you know, the right things to say. How how did this happen that you felt like, okay, I need to pull the trigger right now and say yeah? I don't know. I think my brain went into neutral somewhere along the way there. But um, he was he, he pulled in and well, he was super friendly and he was. Uh, did he seem professional? He, he seemed professional, but he was also very talkative. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, whenever I, uh, whenever I hemmed and hawed, it was like he, he came up with some statement that kept me from speaking. So he kind, oh, of, had a, he kind of had an answer to everything. Yeah, answer to everything. Yes, that's, that's the way to put it. And, uh, except for answer to specific questions like how much is this going to cost? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I should have I, I should have sh- shut it down there, right there. But I didn't. And as, as soon as as soon as he got an okay, yeah, I uh, okay, uh, I'll let you do it. The trucks were here within five minutes. Wow. Mm. They were. I mean, they were. They were just up the road. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. When, and then uh, they had, well, there was, there was, there was three pavement trucks, and there was one of which they they took pavement out of. That I think the other two might have been empty, but I'm not sure. And they had all the equipment, all the people, everybody was there, and yeah. uh, they just wanted to get it down fast, I guess. You know, and get get out of there. It's interesting when. Um when Joel called me and told me this, I started to call people that I knew mm-hmm. who didn't have paved driveways, and I started to say, you need to be aware of the scam. Yeah. And some people thanked me immediately, but my sister, who I called, said, oh, my gosh, no, we know all about that. People were here two days ago. Mm-hmm. This is my own sister. This is a pretty small world here, right? And uh, she said the same thing. The guy pulled in in a, in a truck that was marked with company information. He got out, and he explained that he had extra pavement, and they had to put it somewhere or it was going to harden in the truck, and they can't have that, all of these logical explanations. So she said, she's pretty sharp, but she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll allow you to get it out of your truck and put it down here so that you don't have to pay the fee to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, oh, no, 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 they, they wanted to, you know, get her to pay money, and she just said, look, I, I think it's time that you leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they did leave. Now, in Joel's case, the way that we found out about this is poor Joel called me first thing the next morning. I think it was 730 in the morning. My phone rang, you know, can you call me immediately? So the people had paved his driveway, and then the reason the scam has worked on so many people is because you, you feel like a heel. Like they did their job, the pavement's in your driveway, you're supposed to pay them. Let me just point out that they didn't give an estimate in advance. They didn't give a quote. They didn't get a signed contract. By the way, they didn't pull a permit. Hello, town, are you listening? They didn't pull a permit. Right? <laughs> and yeah. threw this pavement down, rolled it out, and then at the end there was a part that he wanted fixed, and they said they'd send a guy back in a few days or whatever. Um, are, so you, you could are you required that. to are you required to pay for that then though if they, if none of that happened? So that would be the point, wouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> so Joel has a free driveway right now. Uh, let's talk about that for a moment, the legality of that. And I'm not a lawyer, but you know, in Massachusetts, we have a three day right to rescind. If you decide you're going to buy windows from somebody and you sign the contract, you have three days to change your mind and say, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's to give people time to to get their feet under them instead of feeling like they signed something under duress. In Joel's case, they didn't give him any estimate. They just showed up on the spot, which is how these things work. You know, there's a lot of pressure here. Hey, we got it. We got to hurry up and make this decision. We got to get it out of our truck. We'll put it down. It'll be really cheap, blah, 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 blah. That term fast talker comes to mind when I just did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come and they put the driveway down. And meanwhile, the guy who's quote, the bird dog. He's the guy that goes out and tries to find the person who's going to who's going to pay the money, right? So he's bird dogging it. He's got the trucks up the street, and the story is almost always the same. We're doing a job up the street, and we have this extra pavement. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with it? And again, this pavement has probably been paid for by somebody else who has also been duped who doesn't even know it. They just got a quote for twice as much money or enough money to cover the materials, and they've paid their part. And now these guys have some free free pavement mm-hmm. that, that they want to get down. And you've got a driveway that needs to be paved, and it's a very expensive thing. And when the guy shows up and says, we'll do it for cheap, you know, it seems like, okay, i got an opportunity knocking here. I have to make this decision right away. So your question is, are you required to pay for it? 
And what I said to Joel when he called me, poor Joel, he called me and said, you know, I, they wanted one check right away, and they asked for a post-dated check for the rest of it mm-hmm. after he talked them down. And I'll, I'll let Joel talk about that. But uh, you can't do a post-dated check in Massachusetts. It's good the moment you write it. So we had to move fast, and we did. And Joel was, you know, thankfully we saved his money. But, you know, then the guy tried calling him and all of that. But maybe, you know, are you required to pay for it? Again, not an attorney, but I'm going to say no. Well, and also I'm, when you're talking about a right to rescind for three days, once it's poured on your driveway, you, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, the right to rescind would come into play if he had actually signed a contract. Mm-hmm. But they didn't ask him to sign a contract. They just put the pavement down. Later, the guy walked up and said, here, sign this, which I think is somewhat of an invoice, uh, after the fact. And that's when Joel... Well, Joel, tell us that's when you found out what. <laughs> well, let's get to the story for the second half here because we're running out of time, and I, there's definitely so much more to the story. So first, let me get your phone number. Thank you. It's 413-773-3333. Or you can visit HugYourMoney.com, and we will hear directly from Joel coming up for part two of Financial Fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. That's next on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high-quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to GetTheTea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's GetTheTea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, GetTheTea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, and we have a special guest today. That's you, Joel. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's me. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Joel. We've been hearing about your story. You kind of got scammed some pavement. Can you tell us what happened? Oh, well, uh, I already mentioned it. This this guy drives in out of the blue. He's got an official uh, a pickup uh, with equipment on it and uh, signage on it and talks to me about having leftover payment from a previous job. Uh, says he thinks he's sure he's got enough to, to do my driveway and uh, it'd be cheap. And less than half price and all of this stuff. And uh, I couldn't get him to give me a quote, uh, a guesstimate, an estimate. He wouldn't take his measurer out and measure the driveway to give me an idea how much it would be. And in spite of all that, I allowed it to happen and and told him yes. And like five to seven minutes later, all the trucks pulled down down the road. Had three paving trucks. One that they were wanting to empty the the paver, the the small roller out machine that they had, and, and I don't know, a crew of seven to ten people, maybe more, and. Um, they just, you know, they dug out some part of the drive that needed needed leveling and stuff, and they did that and put the pavement down. Uh, the guy that was doing the roller machine was actually identified to me as as the guy's father, and I asked him, "Well, how much is this going to be cost?" And he didn't tell me, and and he just referred me to the son. Mm-hmm. He would not say. And uh, in, in the process, I, I I just didn't get a price. And at the end of the whole thing, I came down, and he had his calculator in his hand. 
he measured it out and said it was 80 by t- 10 and a half feet. Now, I measured the width. It's not 10 and a half feet. It's nine and a half feet. Mm-hmm. I have to measure the length of it, and I'll do that today, but um, I'm pretty sure that's probably not accurate either. But by his chosen measurements, he, he uh, got a bottom line of $8,820. Wow. And I told him, I said, this is why I told you I wanted a price quote. I don't have that money. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, well, yeah, you can, you can just, you know, just, you know, let me know how much, how much you can, you know, and so, and then he, and I just kept insisting I didn't, I couldn't afford it. And it came down eventually to 7,000. And then I went in and, uh, checked my bank account and figured out what I could give him a check for 1800 and that was all I could give him. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much wiped out, would have wiped out uh, my extra emergency funds. And um, when I told him, I said, well, I have this $1,800, I can give you a check for that now, and I don't have any more. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know where along the way, I must have mentioned that I had an IRA or something. And he said, well, you can top your IRA. He says, it only takes like three, four day, business days to get that money. And and uh, you can post date a check for next week and all that. And uh, they were standing on my deck, and I knew darn well they weren't going to leave until they had something in hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started writing the checks out, he wanted me to write the first check, the $1,800 check, to him personally, Robert Cooper. Um, and I wrote it out, and then the other one to the business for 5000 post-dated for what would be this week. And I asked him, why the personal check? Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, it's a, it's a way to avoid taxes. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Hmm. I, I mean, that was his direct comment. He, he, there was no hesitation in his, in, you know, he just figured he had me, I guess. And um, yeah. then we, they, and then, you know, all the other trucks were getting loaded up and everything, and everybody else was scattering to their vehicles. And uh, some of them had driven off. I was walking the distance of the, tr- of the pavement with him, this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the edge up towards the road was wasn't smoothed out. It was there was a ridge there, and I know my plow guy would you know he'll catch that and tear it right out. Mm-hmm. In addition to maybe damaging his truck, so I told him I said this has got it. This isn't right. I said that's got to be smooth uh, a smooth seam so that the plow the plow guy can get through here without damaging anything. And he mentioned, oh, maybe I'll, I'll have somebody come up and uh, put a patch in there. Maybe we'll go right to the road and all of that. And, mm-hmm. But now, you know, looking at hindsight, he's just throwing, throwing a lot of crap out. Right. So you get the, So you call Francis, and Francis, you get this call, and then what, what do you do? Yeah, so I'd like to talk a little bit about how these scams happen and then also but what we did. So the first thing we did is... You know, Joel called me really embarrassed. You can even hear it in his voice now, like I allowed this to happen, you know. The guilt and the shame is always there in these scams. 
And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're calling me. You want to get all money out of your IRA. You spend your emergency savings. What? No, stop, stop. Tell me about this paving thing. So he tells me, and I say, you know, I this has scam written all over it. Mm-hmm. So immediately, you know, I was trying to think of where he could get very quick legal advice. He had written these checks at, at 7 o'clock at night, uh, and he was calling me at 7.30 in the morning the next day. And I'm thinking, we've got to stop payment on these checks and get some legal advice. And we weren't going to get an attorney to respond that quickly, but we did call the attorney general's office, who does not give legal advice, but they're a consumer advocacy group. And that's the woman who said immediately when I said a guy pulled into his driveway and she stopped us and said, oh, pavement scam. Right. So first thing was that he had to file a complaint with the uh, attorney general's office, which he's done. Mm-hmm. Second thing was he needed to file a police report. Now, Joel lives in a very small town and there were no police on duty for the weekend, but they did send a state police officer to his house to take this report, which he gave. And then the third thing, which we got on very quickly, was get to the bank and stop payment on these checks. Mm -hmm. And so Joel got there in like 10 minutes. And while he was there, something happened that I'd like Joel to tell you. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about why these scams are successful. Okay. Well, we uh, I I got to the bank and I was in, in the process. Well, the bank the bank's suggestion was to cancel the entire checking account and start a new one. Okay. Uh, in the process, but I I got in there and I and the first thing to do was was sign the stop payment on those two checks. And probably about I don't know maybe seven to ten minutes after I signed. That stopped payment on those. He tried to cash the first check. Ooh. That and was that close. <laughs> and you're still at the bank, and they're telling you this, right? But yeah, yeah. They, I mean, uh, one of the tellers came into the office where we were and and said uh, just to confirm that I had signed the stop payment on that check. So they, call, I mean, it was a different branch that was checking in on this on this thing because they're. They had made a, a, state, uh, a statement of uh, stop payment when we called the bank, but I had to sign the paper to make sure it, it, you know, it, it was confirmed. That's so good you so, got there before they could do it. It, it is. I mean, when we, were, when we were trying to get Joel to the bank quickly enough to stop payment on it, I did ask the uh, person I was speaking to from the bank, can you put like a super stop on it, meaning you stop all checks because the worry, the reason the bank wanted him to open a new account is when you've got somebody unscrupulous already trying to rip you off, you don't know if they're going to try to mimic the checks or, you know, they've got your account information at that point. Mm-hmm. So she was ready to put a super stop on it, which means nothing comes through. And Joel was saying, wait, I have an automatic payment. I have this, you know, it's complicated, right? These People turn your life upside down. But, in fact, he got there quickly enough to stop the payment on these two checks. Now, after that, you know, the reason I wanted him to put a police report in, in addition to the obvious, is, you know, you just had an experience with 10 guys hanging around your deck waiting for you to write a check. Now, if that's not under duress, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I I think he's very brave to come on the air and talk about this and to have held his ground on this. Many people would have said, well, you know, the pavement's in my driveway. I would have had it paid someday anyway. I guess I have the money. I guess I'll pay it. Mm-hmm. And that's why these scams are perpetuated, you know, that that they do, that the amount of guilt they can make you feel because they've done work in your on your property. But you have to stand your ground and say, 
No, I know my rights. You didn't give me a quote. You came in instantly. Let's just do the work right now. Never a price. After the fact, you give me a bill and you ask me to sign it. This is not okay with 10 guys standing around doing the work. You know, and, and as he said, after he signed the check, they scattered, right? They had the money. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that extra check was not, in fact, to avoid taxes, although I'm sure there's plenty of that that never gets reported. The way these things often work is you have one person who's what I call a bird dog. They go out in their little pickup truck and they drive around and they look for, you know, suspecting houses, right? This, this looks like uh, it doesn't have a driveway and it looks like the guy maybe, you know, has enough money or can't afford much or whatever they're looking for. And then that person goes in and nails the deal. Now, admittedly, the people that work for him or her may not know they're working for a scam artist at all. Mm -hmm. They may be just going out doing their job. But usually what happens is something like this. The bird dog comes up to you and says, I want you to write two checks, one for 1800 and the other one you can post it for 5000 He takes the 1800 and puts it in his pocket. He goes back to the crew and says, look, we just got $5,000 for this job. Here it is, a post-dated check. See it? Mm-hmm. So they think they're getting paid on a $5,000 job. Now, maybe they all are in on the scam. Maybe not. We don't know. But certainly the guy who is asking you for two checks, one made out to him personally, which never should be the case, knows darn well what's happening. The second one gets made out to the company. And now these people think that driveway costs $5,000. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this guy's got his 1800 in the pocket plus his share of the $5,000 when they get it. So when I said it had scam written all over it, I really mean all over it. You know, so, so Joel ended up, you know, calling me, as I said, wanting this money. And it isn't, I mean, it's his money. He can have it for whatever he wants. But it didn't sound like he was very happy about having agreed to this. Right. Now, I will say on the other side of the coin, if a contractor does work on your house and you don't pay them, their recourse is to go to court and get something called a mechanics lien. In other words, they can lean against your house for the cost of the work, and if you sell your house, they get paid. Mm-hmm. However, it has to be a legal contract. <laughs> you know, hey, I had a scam and he didn't pay me. I'm guessing it isn't going to fly too well in court, not that you would go there. So, right. But it's so scary. I mean, picture that just for a moment, that image of these guys standing around, and as Joel said, they weren't going to leave until they got a check. Oh, yeah, it definitely sounds yeah. intimidating and also something that a lot, a lot of people obviously are believing them because of all the phone calls coming in. Yes. So, Joel, will you, we, we don't have a lot of time left, but will you tell me what kind of contact you, they've had with you since and what, what has happened? Because I've been privy to your messages, but let's just tell people how this is playing out. Well, the, uh, that, of course, that was in Friday morning that I canceled those checks and, and I got numerous calls. Most of them were uh, unidentifiable calls on the caller ID. Uh, one, he left a message stating, this is a paving guy, call me back. That one phone number was on the caller ID. I have, I just did not make contact with him. I didn't answer any of the phone calls. Mm-hmm. And... Um, over the last 24 hours, there's been no calls. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, if I'll hear from them again or not. But well, I, I always let the answer machine take it if it's something I don't know uh, who it is. 
Yeah, and I think the good news is I, I did get a text from Joel saying, you know, do I call this guy back? And I said, under no circumstances do you engage with this person again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's already been almost disastrous once. They're slick. You don't talk to them. Right. But the best news here is Joel has filed a police report with the state police, and he knew who he was dealing with. It wasn't like, hey, there was some guy on the phone I can't find. He had company information, phone numbers, you know, people's uh, appearances, descriptions. He had all of that. So my guess would be by now the state police have contacted this guy, and that's why Joel's not hearing from them. So, you know, it's really – these scams are always awful, but this one – I never like any of them – but this one I think is particularly terrible because it has the – the element of invasion. Mm-hmm. They know where they live, they've been there, they've done work, they've, they've shown you that there's, you know, 10 guys hanging around with big trucks. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but, an invasion definitely of your privacy. Violet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Joel is no shrinking violet and he knows how to stand his ground. I really so, hope this I hope this works out and I hope you end up getting a free driveway out of it and they catch this guy for sure. Well, it would be, it would be good to know that uh, we could at least... Uh, protects some folks in the area here. I don't know how, how if this guy is even from this area, but uh, I'd like to set him down if that's possible, but at least make people aware that they're around the area. I, I just want to say one last thing in, in closing. Uh, if Joel's voice sounds familiar to people listening, it's because he has been a client for years, and he was generous enough some time ago to come to the radio station and talk about being what he called a hamster in the wheel. <laughs> and so you will hear that that spot from time to time, and that's the same Joel that is coming to the airways now to try and protect other people from something that is nearly disastrous for him. Joel, thank you so much for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank I want to get uh, your phone number one more time. Thanks. It's 413-773-3333. And you can always visit HugYourMoney.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor on WHMP. 